Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for sending us Jesus, we sheep who had gone astray, and he who is our true shepherd, the one who oversees our souls. Guide us and direct our hearts nearer to him, that our ears would be more fully opened unto his voice calling to us to receive all of the benefits that he has won for us through his death and resurrection, that they might be applied into our hearts and our minds and our souls, that we might give you the glory, O Lord. Through Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I can lack nothing. That's the main idea of Psalm 23 today. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I can lack nothing. It's appropriate that in all three years that as we celebrate and recognize this Sunday as Good Shepherd Sunday, that we read Psalm 23, one of the most beloved psalms in the Bible. One that is used in every funeral I've ever been to. It's used in every kind of area of life. It's a psalm that when we're sick, we turn to it to be reminded that the Lord is our shepherd and that as a shepherd, we know what shepherds do with sheep. They guide them. They come near to them. They care for them. They provide for them. And it brings comfort to our very souls to think in that kind of way of Jesus guiding and shepherding us. And I think that we need to step back for ourselves and really think through this psalm today. That we can't avoid the stark reality of what it means for the Lord to be our shepherd. That therefore, I can lack nothing. We can lack nothing when the Lord is our shepherd. But don't we? lack things? Aren't there things in our lives that are missing things in our lives that we desire but yet we do not have, you may ask? And it's true, there are things, maybe in this very moment or even a series of moments forwards into the future, there are things that are missing that are lacking in some way. But here in the grand scheme of things, though, and what the psalmist is thinking about, the big picture of all of life, do we really lack anything that we truly need? Is there anything missing from our lives? And our lives are wrapped in, up in the very moment of our current existence. So much so that everything creates anxiety upon anxiety upon anxiety. Remember the words that Jesus said to Martha, why are you so anxious? You are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary, Jesus said, reminding Martha of what matters. That yes, there are cares, there are things that need to be done, there are things in the immediacy of life that may be missing, but there's one thing necessary that brings all of those things together, that brings all the pieces into working order. But what is that one thing? What is the one thing that Martha was missing? What she was missing in that particular moment in her life and what goes missing in our lives over and over and over again is this first verse of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I can lack nothing. Or as many of us are used to saying, I shall not want. Everything I need will be taken care of. The Lord is our shepherd. He is the one who guides us. He gives us everything that we truly, absolutely need. Think about that for a moment. 
our true needs are truly met by this shepherd of ours. And yes, we have various wants and we have various felt needs, things in the immediacy, but the tried and true needs, those things which are valuable to the soul, deep down things that none of us can truly live without. In fact, I would say things that we can't exist without. They're fulfilled by the Lord being our shepherd, by Jesus himself and what he has done, who he is for us. That's what the shepherd passage is about here in Psalm 23. That's what Psalm is about, the Lord fulfilling our needs. It's what John 10 is about as Jesus launches into his sermon about the shepherd, about him being the good shepherd, about the shepherd who calls to the sheep, the shepherd who truly goes through the door who is Jesus. That Jesus is providing for us what we need by being our shepherd. And so today we are filled with anxiety and fears about tomorrow, about today. Maybe anxieties about yesterday. But here, Jesus' message is that he has given himself that we can lack nothing in that which truly matters at the end of the day. He is beside us in everything. In the day-to-day -day struggle with ourselves, with the world, with the devil, with hell itself, he stands beside us and he guides us to where we should be, where we need to be, where we're supposed to be, and eventually where we want to be as he reshapes our souls slowly, day by day, hour by hour, as we see that shepherd pushing us in a particular direction to where we need to be and making it to where it's where we want to be. And so I want to delve more into this Psalm 23 today and about how Jesus is our shepherd and about how he becomes the door for the sheep. But I want to come at it from a different direction than what many of us have probably thought about. If you read the church fathers thoroughly, you'll come across references to Psalm 23. And their references are all pointing to a very sacramental nature built into this psalm. That the very sacraments are being talked about in this psalm when you look at it from the perspective of Jesus. When you look at it as Jesus having accomplished everything, you can discover that there is something about the sacraments in here. And one aspect is it's because it's poetry that we can kind of draw these new things out, that we can, not new, but old things that the church has looked at and seen for years and years and years in the past. That we can draw out this application for ourselves today, seeing how Jesus is our shepherd. In our lacking nothing, he provides everything for us through his word and his sacraments. Many of the church fathers saw this psalm as a picture of the entire Christian life. Some saw it as a movement, though, from the beginnings to the very end of our salvation. It flows forward from verse 1 into verse 2 to verse 3, building blocks on each thing as it moves closer and closer toward that Eucharist and toward that final dwelling in the house of the Lord. Others saw it as a picture of simply the whole Christian life, different aspects of the Christian life showing up in this psalm and encouraging us and building us up and renewing us. And that's where I want to look at it, is from that whole life perspective. Everything about our lives is wrapped up in this psalm. And it points us toward the sacraments and the work of the Spirit because Jesus has accomplished all of this on the cross. 
He accomplished it through his resurrection, with verse 1 here being the main point, that through his death and resurrection, he has become our true shepherd. Therefore, we lack nothing. Therefore, I can lack nothing. I shall not want. Therefore, you shall not want. And then in verse 2, we're given something to cling to here. It says, he shall feed me in green pastures and lead me forth besides the waters of comfort. I love how it's translated here in our prayer book for us today. He shall feed me in green pastures because usually we hear he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And it's because there's a play there. There's some room in that Hebrew verb because it's a verb about being a shepherd and about a shepherd guiding his sheep and making them to lay down. But if the shepherd is making them to lay down in green pastures, what's the point of them being in those pastures resting but to eat, to receive sustenance from the very grass that they're resting upon? And so it's not odd that it should be translated here for us. He shall feed me. He shall feed us in these green pastures. And what are those green pastures that we have been made to rest in, made to feed upon, but the very word itself? That we can sit there and think of those green pastures in a really abstract way and try to make it everything that the Lord puts into us. But let's just narrow it all the way down to the word and the promises of God himself. That he makes us to feed upon his word, to renew our souls, to transform us day by day, little by little, over and over and over. He puts us in these pastures to give us rest from the anxieties, from the brokenness, from the wars around us. And in that rest, we feed ourselves on what he has given us. We have no reason to be hungry because we're in green pastures of rest that we can feed upon. The scriptures give us that life and salvation. They give us the promises of God. I will be your God and you shall be my people. The core promise of all the Bible. That God accomplishes this in Jesus by making him our shepherd and uniting us to him, and bringing us to him, and guiding us by him. And then, he leads me forth beside the waters of comfort. Those waters of comfort, those still waters that we can rest next to. Again, water, so often tied to the Holy Spirit, and water being that which is for baptism. And so the church fathers, I think, rightly see here a picture of baptism being near those waters of comfort, those waters that wash us and cleanse us from our sin and renew our hearts through faith. When the waters poured upon us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that Spirit comes to dwell with us, claiming us as God's own. That we might be led forth beside those waters, that we might then live our lives in light of that baptism that has been placed upon us, that baptism that changes us, that makes us the Father's. And that's where Jesus leads us forth beside those waters, turning our eyes back to them so we can draw from those waters, knowing that in those waters the Spirit has come to dwell with us, each of us, to renew our hearts and our minds. So we have the word and promise of God in those green pastures. We have the baptism in the words of comfort. And then we have there, He shall refresh my soul and bring me forth in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He'll guide us on the path that he has placed us on, that in feeding on the word and receiving that baptism and recalling it over and over again, leaning into our baptisms, saying, I am baptized in the midst of struggle and trouble, in the midst of good things, 
reminding ourselves that I don't belong to myself. I belong to God the Father through Jesus Christ by being united to him in baptism. I can find comfort. I can be led on that path of righteousness, being more and more united to Jesus in those things. And his righteousness coming upon me, being poured into me, not because it's about me, but for his name's sake, for Yahweh's name's sake, for the Lord's name's sake. It is for Jesus' sake that we are saved, that we are united to him. Not because there's something special in me, but because God looked at my rusty old tin can heart and said, that's mine, and I'm going to hold on to it and change it into something new. That's what he does when he saves us, when he claims us. He says, you belong to me. And now he leads us as our shepherd on that path of righteousness. And that path of righteousness is here in this daily life. And I love that the psalm describes it as a walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That in the midst of suffering, we are on the paths of righteousness. In the midst of the broken world all around us, this world is the shadow of death. And yet, we are on the path of righteousness because the shepherd is leading us. He's guiding us. He's directing us through this valley that we find ourselves in. That we're not up on the mountaintop. We're in the midst of a valley every day of our lives because we live on this side of the resurrection. We live before the resurrection of the dead. But we live after the resurrection of Jesus. And so this valley of the shadow of death is nothing for us to fear. It's nothing for us to worry about. It's nothing for us to be anxious about because we can look to that resurrected one and say, by those waters of comfort, I am connected to his resurrection and I will receive that very resurrection in the end. There is no evil that I should fear. And having had that waters of comfort and those promises of the green pastures to rest in, that I, even now in this valley of shadow of death, I'm resting in, I know the shepherd is with me because I wouldn't be in these green pastures, in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, without him putting me here, without him guiding me here. I would never have found these on my own. The Lord is with us in this valley of the shadow of death. He's beside us, guiding us, if only we can see him. If only our eyes would look at him instead of ourselves. Look at him instead of trying to drum up faith, trying to drum up belief, trying to drum up a way to get out of our anxieties. And instead, looked away from ourselves to that man who died on the cross and rose from the dead. Seeing his promises are for us, are for me, are for you. That in this valley of the shadow of death, we have nothing to fear because the Lord, our shepherd, remains with his sheep so that he can guard them, even when we don't see him because of our fears of the shadows. We only need to stop and listen once more to his voice. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and they know him and they come out to him. As those distractions and anxieties come upon us, we need to stop and listen to that voice of the shepherd and look for him. Not look at ourselves, not look in a mirror to see where I am in life, to see how much my faith has grown, to see how much he's transformed me, but to look at him and know that that is happening to me because he promised it would happen that we pursue after him, that we listen for his voice and follow him, and he guides us. His rod and his staff bring us comfort. Church fathers saw there again a picture of the spirit and the word and doctrines of the church. 
comforting us, keeping us where we're supposed to be as we travel through this valley of the shadow of death, as we travel through this place of struggle and sin and evil. His Spirit and His Word keep us in the right direction. And here again, we hear about the meal that is prepared in the presence of those who trouble me. The world, the devil, death, and hell are those who trouble us. And yet in the midst of all of that, he prepares a table as the image shifts from that of shepherds and sheep to that of a housemaster and his guest, the one he has invited in. You shall prepare a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. In the presence of the sinfulness of the world, you prepare a table. Again, the church fathers, St. Ambrose and St. Augustine, see here the Eucharist, that preparation of the table that Jesus does over in the Gospels on the night before he is betrayed, the night on which he is betrayed, before he is crucified. He prepared a table for his disciples to partake in as the ultimate troublers were coming for Jesus. He prepared a table so that when our troublers are surrounding us, we can return to that table every week, every moment that we get to. And right now we're in a time where we haven't been able to receive weekly because of the sickness around us. But yet he has a table waiting for us so that when we do gather, he has prepared that table to feed us with himself, to give us a new way to know him. That yes, we know him through our baptism, through his word and promises, we know Jesus. But yet here at the table of the Lord, at the altar where he feeds us with his body and blood, he enters into us in a sacramental way, in a realist way, in a deep spiritual way. He unites himself to us more deeply than before. We meet him in a special way when we receive the body and the blood of Jesus in a way that we don't necessarily always meet him in his word. And he anoints our heads with oil and our cups shall be full. The sacraments are all through this. The spirit anointing us and filling us as we receive that body and blood of Jesus through the bread and wine. That despite the presence of the world, the hell, devil, Satan, and death itself, despite the presence of those enemies, those who trouble us, our table has been prepared for us to feed at so that we might feed upon Christ himself, that we might partake of our shepherd's guidance, that we might partake of our very shepherd himself to be renewed and to be defended against the assaults of the enemies, to be defended from them and him filling us with his spirit that we would overflow with who he is being transformed and changed. Again, the church fathers saw this all as a huge picture of the Christian life, as a place where we can look back and see the green pastures of the word, the waters of comfort and baptism, a table prepared that we might receive Christ himself through bread and wine, oil anointing us that we would be, see the Spirit filling us over and over, then the conclusion, surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The little bit of study of Hebrew I've done, it makes me sad that no one's ever updated that except for one Bible translation, I think, that shall follow. It really has a much stronger meaning than that in nearly every other usage in the Hebrew te Old Testament. Of one of pursuit. Often used of enemies pursuing God's people in order to overtake and destroy them. 
or a picture of God pursuing the enemies of his people that he would overtake them and destroy them. That it's used of chasing after, of pursuing, of laying hold of. And so surely the Lord's goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. They shall chase after me and lay hold of me and grab hold of me. And that's what he does through his word and his sacraments. He pursues us and grabs hold of us and lays hold of us that we might have faith, that we might look and see who he is instead of running away from him, but turning and receiving and letting him capture us. That's the point of the sacraments is for God to capture us. Are we going to try to run away from the one who has captured us? And when our sin leads us away from him, his goodness and mercy pursue us to overtake us once more, to bring us back to himself, to renew our faith, our hearts, and our minds so that we would belong to him. That we might confess our sins, that we might release our anxieties, that we might admit to how our fears and our worries lead us deeper into sin and away from Jesus. They plug up our ears so that we don't hear the voice of the shepherd calling us, offering us everything that we need to bring us healing. And there's freedom in what this is about, that the Lord is our shepherd. I'm not in charge. I'm not in control. I'm not leading my life because I don't belong to myself. I belong to the shepherd. You belong to the shepherd when you are his people. As we have been made his people through baptism and faith, we belong to a new shepherd who guides and loves us and cares for us and provides everything that we need. As we recognize what is broken in us, recognize the sin, we can lay hold of the promises of God more and more fully. Those sins, the world, the devil, they steal us away. They create more and more anxiety and fear that drives us further away from those promises that we need. But thanks be to God, they have been defeated at the cross. They have been defeated by Jesus' resurrection, and they become defeated in our individual lives as we confess our sin, as we confess our faith, as we recognize that the Lord is our shepherd. He is God who has died and been raised from the dead and has defeated all of the evil that would assault us, the evil that is within us to begin with, our sinfulness. Jesus puts them to death by his resurrection and we cling to that promise through faith. And so our shepherd comes to us in those still comforting waters of baptism to say, you are mine. He makes that meal in the presence of our enemies, of sin, death, and hell, that we might feed on Christ through that bread and wine. He claims us in these outward ways so that we don't have to look into ourselves, but so that we can look outward and see Jesus alone to see Jesus always, and to take rest in him. Not in what I do, not in what I am, but in him. And it takes a lifetime to get this. It takes a lifetime to get there. It takes a lifetime of stumbling back into looking at ourselves, looking at myself, and being turned back to Jesus. But little by little, he changes us. We don't look from week to week for some grand transformation to free us from our anxiety. We look week to week back to the word and sacraments. We look day by day back at our baptism and see in it a yearning created to receive Jesus in the, sa in the sacrament of the supper, to receive Jesus anew there, 
as the Lord drives us more and more toward that. And through all of that, we will come to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even now, because Jesus is in heaven, because Jesus has been raised and he has ascended, we are in the house of the Lord because we're united and bound up in him through baptism and faith. And we will come to know the experience, the full-orbed experience of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever when he returns. And so we rest in the promises and the word and the sacraments of God that we hear about when we read this Psalm 23 through the eyes of the New Testament, through the eyes of our church fathers who saw in it the promises of God, the sacraments of Jesus for us, for our renewal, for our comfort, for our freedom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.